Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Whether you've overdone it at the gym, (gasps) at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. On 11.16 SEN, this is the Flag Flyers for the American Australian Association devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Flag Flyers, a place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies. Find the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler, and alongside me is not Lockie Miller because he's in the States once again. He seems to go about four times a year. So once again, in the chair with me, Xavier Plow, not in the chair, in the room. You're in a different chair across the room from me, Xavier Player. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, very good there to specify we're not exactly sitting in the same chair. That could create a bit of a weird show and obviously <laughs> a bit of overlap when we're talking. So um, no, it's good to be here. You say Lockie goes to the States a few times a year. They're my favourite times. I get to come in and have the pleasure of your company. and Spot on. And it's good timing as well because the MLB playoffs are on and you're a big, big baseball guy as I am. Lucky not so much. So we're kind of just opening up the... uh the, the, the floor for, for us to talk a bit more baseball, which is good. Expanding the horizons of our listeners as well. Exactly. And also, what we wanted to do today, we wanted to touch on um, Blake O'Neill over the weekend. He kind of went from a hero to zero a little bit in their game against Michigan State. He had an unbelievable 80-yard punt uh, in the fourth quarter there, but then had a fumble in the dying seconds. And he, he, Michigan ended up losing the game uh, with one second to go on the clock. So we wanted to touch on uh, on that with Nathan Chapman from Pro Kick, see how he's going, and play a bit of a grab from Joe Tessitore from ESPN as well, which kind of sums up perfectly the situation for all those haters out there. Now, I just want to talk about that briefly. As you said, we're going to play the grab later in the show, but for anyone, Michigan State fan, Michigan fan, anyone at all who looks at that and goes, this is a situation where I think it's okay to give death threats to a guy and tell him to go and off himself? No. Absolutely not. Under no circumstances in any walk of life is that okay. In the end, sport is a game. There is always it going is to be a winner. A game. There is always going to be a loser. If you don't like that, go and find another hobby. Mm. How are most people's lives going to change, whether it's one way or another? It's just ridiculous. No, I don't go it doesn't. Too long. We'll touch on it with Chappie a little later on. And we'll also touch on the latest NFL news with James Arthur from the SEN NFL podcast. We wanted to touch on Geordie Berry, who's doing some terrific things for Pittsburgh. He had one of the longest punts you'll ever see in the NFL um, earlier today. So we wanted to touch on that as well. And we're also going to be playing the second half of our chat that Lockie and I had a couple of weeks ago with Australian tennis superstar Sam Groth. He came into the studio, he joined us a couple of weeks ago, and we just want to play the second half of that. We played the first half last week. If you missed it, you can catch the full chat on scn.com.au. You can find it on Audio Boom. We're going to be tweeting out the full chat uh, on our Twitters and Facebooks as well at America and facebook.com forward slash America, which will be Terrific. Certainly a great chat. So yeah, I've listened to the first half and definitely something if you haven't heard it, you're listening to the show, you go, I don't know what I've missed. Go back, listen to the first half. Fantastic insight. Absolutely. And James Arthur from the SEN NFL podcast is actually the one that set it up for us. So thanks again to James for that. But we wanted to start off firstly by talking some baseball. It is the time of year. We're all very excited. And everyone I think is 
even getting into it even more because of the uh, whole Back to the Future thing where the Cubs win in 2015. They're down to the last four, but they're down 2 nothing against the uh, the Mets at the moment, which isn't ideal. But the worst part of the news about this whole postseason so far at this particular stage is that Hendricks isn't probably getting as much game time as we probably assumed he would be getting. He was warming up in the pen the other day and he didn't get action. They're back in Game 3 tomorrow. That's in Toronto. Hopefully he gets some action there. Well, for Toronto's sake, hopefully he doesn't because... I would hope that they can have a starter go eight solid innings, bring a new closer for an inning, finish it off nicely. From a personal perspective, yeah, we want him getting time because he's had such a fantastic season and he deserves to cap that off by having that same success in the playoffs. You talk about excitement, and I'm excited. I love postseason, but I'm also really confused <laughs> because on one side we've got the uh, the Royals and the Blue Jays. Blue Jays last made a World Series in 1993 when I was five years old. The most recent of the four teams to win a World Series. The most recent. Royals, 1985, before I was born. They made one last year, but if they hadn't, it would have been 1985 Yeah, when they last made one. On the other side, we've got the Mets, 1986, before I was born. We're not going to talk about Bill Buckner. I'm not in any mental state to do that ever. And the Chicago Cubs, who haven't made a World Series since 1945, which is obviously... Going and haven't back won since 1907 or 8. 1907, which yeah. which was the year before the t- which was before the toaster was invented. <laughs> That's the way I always phrase that. They haven't won a World Series since before the toast was invented. So no so, championship Cubs have ever had toast the day after winning no, the World Series. Prob- probably no. Well, you would say not. Otherwise, <laughs> God knows what they were doing. But the thing for me is, I really want to see the Cubs end it, not because of the Back to the Future thing, just because uh, that long a drought is a long, long, long time. And I want to see that release of pure emotion and pure joy. But on the other hand, I've got a soft spot for the Mets. I've got a couple of friends who are Mets fans. My dad used to be a Mets fan. They've got fan. an unbelievably young pitching staff. They have That'll a fantastic good young pitching, pitching staff, staff which so, I love. So for me, I'm looking at it going, I just want the National League to win. I want the Cubs to beat the Mets. But if the Mets win, I want the Mets to beat the Blue Jays or the Royals. So it's a really interesting situation. Well, for the purpose of this show, though, you have to go for Toronto on the American League side. I do definitely you can, you can still for go the purpose for the Cubs of this show. on the uh, National for League. For the purpose of this show, I definitely do. Um, I think a 2 nothing hole is really hard to get out of. And since Major League Baseball switched to the League Championship Series uh, seven-game format, which was 1969, if you're losing... Oh, sorry, if you're winning 2-0 after the first two games... You go on to win 22 of 25 series. Only three teams have come from 2 nothing down to win a league championship series. But there's always going to be the next time that it happens. There That's is. The and, and the reference point for that is 2004, of course, when the Red Sox were down 3 nothing and became the only ever team to win the last four games to progress to the World you Series. You just wanted to get a Red Sox uh, stadium there, didn't you? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. It's going to be a big show, mate. We're going to be, um, like I said, we're going to be touching on Blake, Blake O'Neill very shortly. But first, we wanted to start off rounding the bases with James Arthur from the SEN NFL podcast. Joining us first up on rounding the bases today is James Arthur from the SEN NFL podcast, filling in for Richie Garraway, who is still away in the States at the moment. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, mate. Pleasure, mate. Now, let us know. Firstly, we want to start off with some good news. Jordy Berry for the Pittsburgh Steelers had a massive punt today. Can you let us know about that? 79-yard punt. 79. Um, yeah, 79-yards. Pretty impressive. He, he's going really well. He, he's. I think he's easily the best Australian punter in the NFL, and he's probably pushing to be maybe one of the best punters overall. He's, he's having a really good season. 
And, you know, Brad Wing's doing pretty well over at the Giants also, who they play tomorrow night against Philly. So that'll be a pretty uh, rough rough environment for him. But, yeah, they're, they're both doing really well, which it's good selling. I was, I was on SDM last night and we are talking about, I think in the next decade, you're going to have the NFL filled with Australian punters. I think the majority of them will be Australian. Stepping away from punters for a second and going to what's been probably the most talked about Australian in the league ever in Jared Hayne. He didn't have a carry today and his one punt return went, I think, four yards and he fumbled it and it was recovered by a teammate. Uh, Do you think that there's something he's doing wrong or do you think this is a sign that, hey, we're finally starting to see where he actually fits? It's it's lack of experience. Fumbling the football is is something that it happens to a lot of guys who, who are inexperienced. He hasn't had a lot of experience carrying the football. He's had one off season where he hasn't had a ton of carries either way. Fumbling is going to be a problem, and it's something that, you know, even guys who come out of college as top recruits have trouble with. I remember a few years ago, Rashad Mendenhall was drafted to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round, and he even had trouble with fumbles. So it's quite a common thing that he needs to get under wraps or he just won't get touches anymore. Is David Yankee at all coming back to the NFL at any stage soon? Because he obviously was playing for uh, the Vikings at one stage, but I don't think he's he got on waived. Their practice squad. He's on their practice squad. Is there another yeah. chance we can see him in action at any stage soon? Look, I'm not sure. The, the talk of him in the in the preseason was that he could potentially start for the Minnesota Vikings. Their offensive line isn't too great. It's not bad, and they've had a couple of injuries to it. So I'm not sure what the go is there, but last time I checked, he was still sitting on the on the practice squad, which obviously means he's eligible for any other team in the NFL to sign. It's not just the Minnesota don't really have rights to him anymore. So, well, I think he will. I don't think he will this season. I think the preseason will roll around again. He'll get another chance. He just needs to kind of take that opportunity if it comes. Um, I don't know a lot of a lot about him. He's He's obviously an offensive lineman, but that's really all. There's not a lot of information on him. So it's hard to know what's going to happen with him. And just before we finish up, uh, Jordy Berry, that punt that we spoke about before, I think was the t- tied for the fifth longest in NFL history. Do you think he can break the uh, yard of ni- the uh, the record of 98 yards at any stage this season? I definitely not. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't understand how someone has a 98-yard punt. It's impressive. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling to understand how that's actually possible. It must have been icy or something like that because that is that's amazing. He's punted it from his two yard line. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't understand how you even get the. There, there isn't even enough space because you, you, you'd be right at the back of the end zone. You wouldn't even have enough space to get a proper punt off. So something's not right about that. So no to Jordy Berry breaking the uh, record. You're saying absolutely not. Sorry, Jordy. You're no chance. Mate, uh, we're going to hear you uh, at the uh, always for the SEN NFL podcast, which uh, you can hear every Wednesday on SEN.com.au. We can find it on all the social media outlets, SEN uh, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash SEN, and at SEN America. Mate, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks, guys. Michigan punter Blake O'Neill mishandled a snap. He tried to make up for it, got swarmed under pressure, and a miracle finish went against him. If that's grounds for social media death threats and suicide suggestions – then I fear we may be close to teetering on total civility failure. The idiots are getting far too big a voice nowadays. When you see the reaction by some towards O'Neill, you start to think about Alabama's Adam Griffith dealing with the kick six. It frames a seemingly incorrigible society, fueled by irrational hate and numb 
by a far too easy to kill by keystroke mentality. Here's the truth on Michigan's punter. He's accomplished more in his 22 years than half the hacks ripping him will ever do in their entire lives. O'Neill grew up in Australia. He was an excellent Aussie football player and good-looking enough to work as a fashion model. In fact, he paid his way through prep football that way, earning a bachelor's degree. Oh, and he was tough. Hit so hard he split his liver, recovered, came back to play. He came to the States, earned a master's degree. He's now at Michigan for yet another graduate degree. I'll take a guess that those ranting online don't have the same frame sheepskin. Trust me, Blake O'Neill will be great, just fine, just like he's always been. We couldn't have said it better than Joe Tessitore from ESPN. They're talking about Blake O'Neill, who kind of had a, had a roller coaster day yesterday for uh, Michigan. He went from having an unbelievable 80 yard punt to uh, having a missed uh, snap. He kind of lost control of the ball and then gave it away at the end, and uh, Michigan ended up losing a heartbreak at a Michigan State. Nathan Chapman from Pro Kick guys uh, jumped on the line to, uh, to talk about. Well, th- that uh, that play, that game, and a couple of the other boys uh, from the weekend as well. Chappy, welcome to the show. How you going, guys? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Well, first of all, obviously it was an unbelievable uh, scene yesterday uh, between Michigan and Michigan State. A lot of people were sending uh, Blake death threats, which is just incredibly ridiculous. I don't know why people even bothered doing anything like that. Obviously, uh, it's it's quite a tough thing to be able to deal with, but how is Blake actually coping? Because you would have spoken to him today. Yeah, yeah, look, he's going really well. Um, sort of, you know, in his mind, it doesn't know what all the fuss is about, really. He'll just get on with with what he's got to do. He gets back to school tomorrow, goes to training, and, you know, I guess one of the things about being a competitor is you want to do well for the team. Um, he'll feel like he's, you know, he's messed up, and um, he'll want to repay the team by, you know, getting back out there and booting that ball as far as he can for the, you know, for the remainder of the year. So he's fine. He's in good spirits. And, um, you know, he's a strong fella, so he didn't take that to heart too much. Chappie, I think I, like most, have probably watched the play four or five times. And around the third or fourth time of watching, I think I realized that the thing that probably makes it look worse than it is is the fact that once he's fumbled it, he's tried to kick it away. I think that magnifies what people saw. It wasn't a great snap. He didn't have much of a chance to hold on to it. Best moves probably falling on it. How do you see that in the does he fall on it, should he try and get something away debate? Yeah, well, look, <laughs> to be honest, the snap was fine. He should have caught that. There's no, you know, I don't see anything too bad with the snap. He should have sure enough hands to grab it. It's come out. But to be honest, I, I, it's almost like he's gone back into AFL mode, as in game on. Let me pick that damn thing up. And kick it forward, just like... Well, that's what I mean, because when you haven't grown up as a punter, you you kind of, I guess, his natural reaction to mishandling a, a, a snap is to just try to get it away before he gets tackled. It's just instinctual. Yeah. yeah, and coach said kick it down the field. So I guess it's, well, I'm going to try and do that no matter what. So, look, um, you know, in hindsight and game experience and being in that position, um, and, and we've had other guys have snaps go over their head into the into the end zone and they try and pick it up and scoop it and they get tackled. It's a little bit of instinct comes in and there's nothing like having experience to, to know what to do the next time. Um, oh, look, again, he's fine. He should have caught it. But, um, you yeah, know, it's now made for a memorable, memorable moment, which, um, 
you know, we'll probably poke fun at him for, <laughs> for 50 to 60 years. Well, ago. yeah, people have got to remember his name for a very, very long time. He's now gone down in the folklore of Michigan football history now, which is, I guess, something. But that one play shouldn't take away from what a good game he had before that and what a good season he's having so far as well. Well, he's, look, it's, um, it's one, you know, it's basically one second and one play of one game. And there's a lot that you can do to make up for that. Um, there are sometimes certain things happen in the world which are unexplainable. And for all of those dynamic and dramatic events to unfold in that particular time and the ball to, to spit out sideways and pop up in the air into the, uh, into the open arms of a state player running down, that stuff just happens sometimes you would almost think for a reason. Um, but, you know, what the... the that's what sport is. We we grow up watching sport. We love those events, and there will be someone smiling at the end of the game, and there's, there'll be other guys who are, you know, head in their hands. And uh, you know, we copped a tough, <laughs> rough stick this time. But you know, I, I'm sure with their schedule and the way Michigan are playing, I, I got no doubt that there's going to be other opportunities for him to, again, um, put his talents to use and um, and get over that memorable moment. There's a couple of other guys that we wanted to touch on before we finished up with you. The first one is Alex Cannell out of Wake Forest. How's he going at the moment? Yeah, going really well. Been uh, really strong for their team. Um, you know, they played in a in a game the other day that I think played Boston and it was 3-0. Um, he punted 10 times for about a 49.8 average. So, I've been going really well. Uh, very rock solid for the team. Again, probably walk away from his college career with about 14 billion punts. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be right up the top of the, you know, the overall list in that tally. Um, you know, really strong. And then look, uh, Nick Jacobs at Memphis last week played a stellar game. Um, you know, lots of punts, lots of inside twenties. I think if there's something, a lot of the guys have seemed to really pick up their inside 20 kicks, which is great to see, and, and still being able to manage hefty averages along the way. You know, Cam Johnson, um, he's he's become a, you know, looking for the award for pin him deep hacket. You know, they'll stick him into the two-yard line, so he's starting to get a, a lot of kudos for being able to pin that ball at the two. Um, which is what also, Blake did as well with his 80-yard punt on the weekend. Yeah, well, what, he stood on the two, and then he put the ball on the two, so not a bad, um, that's what they call flipping the field, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And we also wanted to touch on uh, last year's Ray Guy Award winner, Tommy Hackett, as well. Yeah, going really well. Um, yeah, Utah have found themselves in it up to number three, so, you know, he's super in, you know, pumped up about what they're doing at the moment, and he's, he's, um, he's, he's punting well. He's had a couple of, he's had a couple of kicks. He's had a couple of kicks, um, you know, that he'd like to take back uh, on the weekend, but look, looking back at it, it's been you know really windy, um, rainy, all that type of thing. But he's pretty hard on himself too. Um, but he's a, he certainly is the master of uh, getting that ball close to the, the two and one yard line. Joe, thanks for joining us once again, mate. And uh, as always, we can always follow you at uh, ProKick on Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of stuff. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Nathan Chapman there from Prokick Australia. Now, before we finish off the show, I wanted to play you the second half of the chat that Lockie and I had with Australian tennis superstar Sam Groth. He came into the studio a couple of weeks ago, joined us before he went back uh, to the States to train. I think he's got some rehabbing ahead of him before uh, the Australian Open at the start of next year, so best of luck to Sam with that. But Here's the second half of our chat we had with him. If you wanted to hear the first half, or actually what we'll do, we'll podcast the entire chat uh, after this goes out so you can find... 
the entire chat with Sam Groff at SEN.com.au as well as on our Audio Boom page, on our Facebook and Twitter. We'll tweet out the entire podcast. But here's the second half of our chat with Sam Groff. Now, I mentioned before how you were a dual sport athlete. Did you play more than just tennis and, and uh, football growing up as well? Yeah, I grew up playing everything. Yeah. I mean, in the country, we would do everything. I played cricket, played basketball, I played... You know, I did athletics, I did swimming, I did yeah, did a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think it shows like there's a lot of research out there or a lot of um, stuff that's been done where uh, people that grow up with a, a much more rounded athletic background tend to succeed at the elite level in their chosen sport down the track. Did you? Did, is there other things? Because obviously you went and played footy. I know that probably gets um, too much emphasis being put on how much it's contributed to. But have you taken other things from other sports as you're growing up, like, uh, I, I don't know, the biomechanics of anything or just... Um, I think just growing up playing other sports, just a general, just a general coordination, just a general coordination sort of thing, and and I think a lot of the you know kids I see coming through now that have only played tennis, you know, they don't throw a ball very well, and they you know not great with their feet maybe, and I just think do, doing everything, you know, and and growing up in the country, you're sort of able to do that. You have access to everything quite easily. Um, maybe the competition's not always there, and the the numbers and stuff, but you know, I I think I just enjoyed growing up, and a lot of the guys I played with by the time I was sort of nineteen, twenty years old. You know, all the guys in my age group have basically stopped. Um, so I think it sort of gave me some longevity as well, the fact that I hadn't just been pounded with one sport from such a young age. Yeah, I was just thinking when you mentioned before that you don't, um, or tennis players don't necessarily count the amount of serves that they take and things like that. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was a, a bit of talk about, um, uh, in the AFL, goal kicking is a massive issue at the moment because the, the coaches don't actually let them practice that much at, um, at training because obviously they greater risk of hamstring or something like that. Do you reckon that's like the, the final frontier for tennis is to make sure, okay, well, you know, that's the centrepiece of the game in, in many ways. Do you got to monitor that a bit more for you? Um, I think when we're healthy, we don't really. I mean, there's times where I've seen other guys coming back from shoulder problems and they, uh, you know, they're definitely counting how many balls they're hitting each day and how many serves they're hitting and that sort of stuff. So it's already something we're monitoring and, you know, we, we do a lot of it. I mean, obviously in, you know, well, in footy, you've got to be able to kick goals, but in tennis, if you can't hit a serve in the box, you can't start the points. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's definitely something we work on, but yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe it's something that needs to be monitored better, but I mean, you know, I think like most sports, it's, you know, everything's getting so much more professional that everything's being quite monitored now. And I feel like we're quite on top of a lot of that stuff. So while you've played a lot of sports growing up and you've had the opportunity to go around the world, you obviously would have watched a lot of sport as well. Are you, have you been exposed to a lot of different sports that uh, you wouldn't have otherwise known about, or is it kind of just a thing where you kind of stick with the sports that you already knew, like soccer and all that sort of stuff? Has, there, has travel kind of opened your eyes to other sports? Yeah, I mean, I, I love watching other sports, you know. I, I don't always like sitting down and watching tennis when I get away from the court, you know. It's yeah. uh, certain times, of course, but, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in the States, like like I said, and, you know, I quite like going, you know, to the sports bar and watching, you know, the, the NFL or the baseball or, you know, whatever's on, the college sports, I mean, you know, they've got a huge sporting culture over there as well. So, no And you're able to actually go down to any of the games at times? or Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I love going to NBA games. Um, Beautiful. You know, I'm lucky with my management. They fan off? Fan <laughs> off? Who are you fan of? I haven't decided yet. I could go to quite a few Lakers and Clippers games don't, just because... Don't, don't be Lakers. No. <laughs> That's I mean, like going for Man United yeah. in the NFL. Just don't... No, 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 no. All right. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Uh, go Knicks. The Knicks. Yeah. See, so Lockie's a but Knicks. Spend, I'm a Celtics I, fan. Yeah, so. I spend more time over on the West Coast where I'm going to. I'm looking looking at places But you there, love New so. York, remember? I do love New York. I don't know if I could live there, though. I'm quite happy to leave after two weeks. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in terms of um, the, the future, you just mentioned before that you've signed with CAA. Yeah. Is that right? So yep. you're mentioning that you've got uh, your future career is looking in, in the media industry, is it? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get into broadcasting, that sort of stuff. I've done a, done a little bit of commentary 
since I've been like in Australia a few times, Channel Seven for the tennis, and you know made a few appearances on the footy. You know, went did a did a bit of stuff one half time at Channel Seven this year, and um, it's definitely something I'd like to move into. Um, you know, I love it and. Obviously, I signed with them for for my tennis abilities, but I know they've got a big broadcast section, so I'm trying to meet as many people in that as I can at the moment, and yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, not yet. Hopefully, I've got a few. Years yeah, left yeah, on we're, tour, we're, we're not we're not preempting anything. No, but... no, no. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully down the track. Are we talking like a sports chat show or anything like that? Can can you pitch us anything right now, or is no, this like commentary? No, put me under the pump now. <laughs> um, no, no. I think uh, more broadcasting. Yeah, you know, I like being on camera. Don't, I don't know. <laughs> If 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 uh, if some of the special comments people from the AFL can get their gigs, I'm pretty sure you'll be right, uh, Sam, to to get some gigs. But uh, but yeah, apart from that, I mean, uh, you just going into the off season now. What's the the lineup for next year's um, uh, competition schedule for you? You obviously go into Australian Open first up. Yeah, Brisbane. Brisbane's Br- the Brisbane. first first tournament of the year up in uh, you know, fourth of January. It starts. Um, Brisbane International, then Sydney, you know, leading into the Aussie Open, and then basically from there it's straight back over to the states. Um, we have tournaments in like Memphis, Delroy Beach. Uh, they've actually got Davis Cup back here, so I'm going to be coming back to Australia again. Executive level American Airlines, exactly. Points racking up, um, yeah. Start racking up the points again for next year already. Yeah, yeah um, brilliant. And then the big ones in New Orleans, Miami for us. So that's sort of the first couple of months. When you go on tour, do you actually? Do a lot of socialising with a lot of the players and a lot of the Australians as well. Is there kind of like a clique that hangs around a little bit, or do you kind of keep to yourself a lot of the time? Um, you know, everyone's sort of got their own their own group, and um, you know, I'm probably a little older than that, like Kyrgios, Tomic, Kokonakis sort of group. So, um, you know, I hang out a lot with my coach, but I think that's something Leighton, you know, if he happens to get the Davis Cup job, which you know, there's there's talk that he probably will. He wants to try to start to create that more of a, a group culture again, and you know, I think he wants to do a camp with the guys in the off season and start try to, you know, pull everyone back together a little bit. And I think that's been lost. I think that's what the Aussies did really well in the past, and especially because we have to spend so many weeks away. Um, you know, everyone who's travelling becomes your friends. They become sort of your support crew. So. I'd like to see a little bit more of that from the Aussie guys again. Whether that happens or not, we'll we'll wait to see. Uh, a lot of the Aussie guys, obviously, uh, we're coming into a good period of our development in terms of the last ten years. Maybe a bit bone dry with in the rankings. Is there any sort of like uh, camaraderie to say that you know let's all get inside the top one hundred or top fifty or something like that, or is there any jostling, jostling for you know uh, I don't know I'm above you in the rankings, blah blah blah. Oh, a little bit. I mean, I think it's more of a friendly rivalry more than anything. Um, you know, I think, like you said, it was very bare. Leighton had to fly that flag for for a long time. And, you know, I think uh, the last couple of years uh, I broke through and then the young boys started to come through and then, you know, Bernie had a down year and then Nick sort of became a highest-ranked guy and I think that sort of spurred Bernie on. I don't think he wanted Nick ranked above him, so he sort of pulled his head in and got himself to sort of top 20 now. And, you know, you probably don't speak about it with the other guys, but there's definitely a rivalry there and you want to be ranked, you know, above above the next guy, that's for sure. But... I think it's more of a, a friendly sort of a thing, and I think it sort of inspires us all to you know push push for something more. Do you think Leighton's the right man for the Davis Cup coaching job? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't want to you know say too much, but you know, I think he has the respect of the players. Obviously, as a player, you know, he was number one in the world, won slams, did everything he did Davis Cup, and you know, I, I think the time I spent with him at Davis Cup recently, you know, just on the court with him as well. I mean, he leads by example, and I think he has the respect of the of the young guys, which is massive. You know, obviously. They're still learning their way a little bit, and um, you know I think if, if he looks to be a good influence on those guys, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing that you know they really respect him as a player, and I think 
Um, you know, he, we all know that he had a few troubles when he was younger in his career and maybe wasn't always liked as much as he's liked now. But, um, you know, if he can he can teach those young guys and, you know, like I said, if he, if he takes the captaincy like he did as a player, I mean, he'll do a great job. Beautiful, mate. Thank you so much for joining us on the Flag Flies. Best of luck for uh, next season. I know I think your season this year is over because you're going for foot surgery tomorrow, which we actually wish you the best of luck. What are they actually doing? You were telling us before what they were doing. They were doing uh, something stick, with your nerves. Stick a, stick a hot needle in there and burn the nerve out. So uh, I could f- I could think of about a thousand things I'd rather do than do that. A thousand? Yeah. Trust me. So a million. <laughs> Just about. Yeah. But good luck with that. We hope it all goes well. I'm sure it will. And safe flight back to the States as well. You're going to make sure you go business class? You got no, the, I don't know. I'm looking at the, yeah. Double down, mate. Business class all the way. <laughs> you have we'll to. See. You have to, mate. But thank you for joining us and uh, we'll be sure to keep up to date with uh, how you're going and We'll try to get you on the show as much as possible, mate. It'll be great. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That brings us to the end of the show today. Chris Tyler and Xavier Player, mate. We started talking about baseball at the start of the show. The Australian Baseball League starts later this week. We are both very excited about that. We are indeed. It's going to be a huge season. Perth are going for back-to-back titles, which is... Well, actually, they'll be going for three in a row this year, which would be the second opportunity they've had for going for three in a row. It's uh, going to be interesting to see who can potentially stop them this year. Hopefully the Aces. That would be fantastic. Plenty of positive signs down at Laverton. I went to the preseason game last week and it looked good. That's what I like to hear, mate. Thanks for uh, joining on, jumping on and uh, joining us on uh, the Flag Fires, mate. You're always a terrific replacement for Lockie, so thank you very much, my friend. And hopefully we can get you in next week, I think, because I, I think Lockie misses one or two more weeks. So mm. if you're more than happy to come back, you're certainly more than welcome. I'm happy to come back if you'll have me back. Absolutely. Maybe we can even uh, share the same seat next time as we well. We could. it, Flag. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America. Yes.